Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today from Romans 5, but as we go to Romans 5, I've got two main points today. Now, I know there's more on the fill-ins. Two main points. I want to tell you that God is crazy, mad, in love with every one of us in this room. He's crazy, mad, in love with every one of you watching online, whether it's on Sunday or on Wednesday or on Thursday, wherever you're watching from and wherever you're watching at. Let me just say this to you. Our God, get ready now, is proud of you. Oftentimes, people see God as this mean, cantankerous ogre, kind of like um, if you remember, if you're old like me, the whack-a-mole game where the little mole can, ooh, and sometimes we see God with this big club. You're out of line. Boom. You did something wrong. Boom. If you came to church today believing you might get beat up by the preacher, this is not that preacher, and this is the wrong day. Because I want to tell you that you are loved with an everlasting love by our God. And part of our rising above is that people would rise above the mundane, the religiosity, the beat down that we put on ourselves that, well, God would never want me or use me. I had a lady one time say to me, you know, for God so loved the world, and I guess therefore because I'm in the world, he's got to love me. He has no choice. But if he had a choice... He would take me away from the world and not love me. I had a man tell me one time, my father, I didn't know who he was. Ten years of age, I met him. He looked at me and said, the world's tough, kid. Make the most of it, as he walked away from me. Didn't say sorry that I wasn't there for you. He didn't say, son, I love you. I wish I could make up for lost time. He just told me that the world is tough as he walked away from me, only time I ever saw him. And then you tell me in church, or you tell me in God's word, that my God is a father. I can't connect father with father. But I'm here to tell you, if your dad was a louse, if he was an absentee dad, if he did the best he could, but that wasn't a goodness to you or towards you, our God isn't like that at all. Our God is a good God. Matter of fact, Romans 5 verse 1 says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. See, God wants to make us right in how he sees us, a holy and a pure God looking at us and then giving us peace. We have peace with God because of what? Who? Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith. I just have to stop for a second. Because of our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in Christ. By the way, did you know that faith is a gift from God? It's called the gift of faith. We start with a little mustard seed faith. I think I kind of sort of maybe believe. And then God floods us with the rest of the faith we need to believe in the finished work of Jesus. And all of that faith does this. It brings us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice when we run into problems. Somebody said to me once, I came to Christ, and when I gave my life to Jesus, my problems really started. 
Because before I was living for myself, now I'm trying to live for God, and the devil's been taking notes, and he's after me. But I'm going to make a decision to understand that even when I go through problems and trials, know this, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of what? Salvation. And this hope will not lead to a disappointment. By the way, you'll never be disappointed because you made a decision to follow after God through Jesus Christ. You'll never make a decision when you read the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, and you do what it says. You'll never be disappointed. You might be disappointed when you veer off track, when you do your own thing, when you chase after the world's ways, but you'll never be disappointed that you made a decision for God and to follow God. And then he says this, for we know how dearly God loves us. I pray you'll know that because I know some people who don't know that. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts, come on, with with, with his love. Now, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes, and we, we, we know what he does. He reveals Christ to us. He gives us power. He gives us supernatural gifts. And I'm all excited about all of that. But one of the things he does is come to fill our hearts or pour the love of God into our hearts. And somebody's going to say, well, Pastor B, you don't know what I did. I'm here to tell you, then you don't know what Jesus did. Because when he died on the cross, he said it is finished once and for all because we were utterly helpless back in the scripture. Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners like Jacob Thurman. Oh, it said it on his shirt that he's a sinner. Some of you are going, wow. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his, would you read the rest? But God showed his great by sending Christ to die for us. He sent him to die for us when we couldn't pay him back. No strings attached love. It's a lavish love. And God wants you to know his heart towards you today. That's my message. He loves you and he's proud of you. When you start running your race after God, when you start doing things for the Lord, uh, when, you, when you wake up in the morning and say, God, I give you this day, may I be your servant today. Men, dads, when you start loving your wives and your kids more than before, God's up there saying, you go, son. He's proud of you. Years ago, you guys may appreciate this story. Years ago, I was at a AYSO soccer meet down by Riverbend Park. And I watched this little boy five times shoot for a goal. He's playing against my grandson. Five times, five times he was wide to the right. Five times. You would not have known it by the way his dad was screaming. That's my boy. I go, yeah, he missed. (laughs) That's my boy. Second time, third time, fifth time. At the end of the game, his son got picked up by dad. And he said, son, you missed, but you won. Because each time you missed, you came back and shot again and again and again. I was over to the far right. I wanted to say, yeah, well, he, he missed three of those because my grandson blocked him. But anyway, I didn't want to say that. You know what I mean? By the way, I watched my grandson go over to him and, and I give him a high five. Good, good, good job today, man. I went to a t-ball game. 
I mean, T-ball is the essence of parenting 101 when it comes to sports. They got their cameras out, the zoom lens. They're ready to put stuff on max preps. I mean, they're all into it. Their kid's going to be MLB, man, Major League Baseball. And the kid hit the ball, and it went 6.4 inches. And he started running to third base instead of first base. That's my boy. That's my boy. I go, man, sir, you're a little, sit down, man, sit down. You know, you ever been around those kind of parents? Sit down, sit down. Zooming in the lens of this kid's running, right? Helmet's falling off. His shoes are too big for his feet. Can you picture it? I think he's maybe five years old. Running the wrong base, but not according to the dad. Look at that. He hit the ball. Yeah. And his wife's like, shh. Barely seven inches of hit. Oh, honey, come on. But to that dad, it was like he hit the ball over the fence. I think about our kids' ministry team right now, blessing our children. I think about them taking care of them in the nursery, in the preschool area. I think about our, our youth team on Sunday night, uh, Tuesday night that's led by Pastor John. I, I think about the wonderful people yesterday who were building beds over here for, for uh, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Matt and Colleen were in our first service. They were moving a little slow this morning. You know, they built about 60 beds yesterday, and we were cleaning up, and I, I noticed them still cleaning up at 5 p.m. over there, and, and then they had to schlep the beds, and I noticed people who brought bedding, and I noticed people who donated, and, and I noticed our, our Monday night feeding team that, that serves anybody that needs a hot meal right here at LFC, and I think about people that clean our church. They're volunteers. We clean this whole entire campus with volunteers so we can save money for ministry. I think that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. I think about the athletes that we support. I think about our scholarships that we give. I think about our college kids preparing for ministry in the marketplace or the local church that we're helping in Bible colleges. I think about our missionaries because of your generosity that we're able to bless. And I just get proud. By the way, I want to tell you something. If you came to get beat up today, this is the wrong place because God loves you with an everlasting love. And this pastor right here This pastor is proud of you and the church that you are. But I'm not only proud of you, God is proud of you above all, so that's above everything else. This God is great. So I've got another video for you. I just want you to remember as we watch it that God's proud of you. So take a look at this. We've never too emotional for this. I know. We'll come back. We'll come back. Let's my let's goodness. Not, oh. <laughs> what do you love about your dad? So my dad is my superhero. He, he gives me strength and hope. I love that you've never given up on me. No matter how much I was a difficult child, you just never gave up when a lot of people did. Um, what I love about my dad is the fact how selfless he is. He always puts everybody else first. I love that daddy's really nice. You know exactly how to put a smile on my face when I'm in the worst of moods. You stay up late nights and um, so I can talk to you and you're there with open arms and I can just talk to you about anything. Dad, there are tons of things I love about you um, and you know a lot of them, but um, I think probably the thing that I have loved most about you is how intentional you are uh, about spending time together. You're a hardworking man, 
and just your passion for all of us as a family. It's just, it's just great. Thanks, bud. AJ, I want you to ask your dad that question for me. Gosh, Dad. Here you go. <laughs> what about me makes you proud? What about me makes you proud? Oh, boy. What about me makes me proud? Um, well, for you, what makes me proud is that we can... that we can actually work together and that um, we actually get along. Dad? What about me makes you proud? Tons of stuff. <laughs> your wit, your beauty, uh, inner and outer beauty, your your love for the Lord, love for people. Yeah, you're just an amazing young lady. What about me makes you proud? The way that you like to learn how to ride horses, that makes me proud of you. How you found your way, uh, your relationship with God, and that's what makes us proud. I just love being a dad because I love going and watching you play sports and spending time with you and hanging out with you and raising up to be a Montreal Canadiens fan. So I want you to know what you want to feel like. The most important thing is that you love yourself, which is a good thing. And you keep your mother and father's thoughts. What about me makes you proud? Everything that even in the moments where I feel weak, Sarah, that you actually make me feel strong and you have made me a better person. Are you trying to make me cry? You're doing a good job. No, I love you. seen that 10 times and it still gets me. Ever ask God, God, what about me makes you proud? You'll have to stop and listen. You'll have to take out your earbuds. You'll have to turn off the TV. You'll have to stop binging on Netflix and just sit quietly and let him tell you. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine said, I, I give my church an exercise all the time. It's an exercise on how to hear the voice of the Lord. I was interested. What do you, what do, you do? What's the exercise? He said, I just tell people to be still, just to sit in quiet. The Bible says, be still and know I'm God. And then ask God this question. Do you love me, God? Do you love me, God? I said, what if God doesn't answer? Oh, they come back the next day and do it again and again and again. And finally, God will speak something. God will nudge something. God will do something to communicate with them that he loves them. 
Now, some would argue, well, does God need to speak? We've got a Bible, 66 books. I believe his spirit still speaks today. I believe the New Testament lends itself to that kind of theology, that we have an active God, a speaking God, who won't miss the chance to tell you that he loves you. So I just gave you a homework exercise. Spend some time this week in the stillness and just ask him, do you love me? And listen, listen intently. I think of people around here that make me proud. God's proud. I I talked to a lady the other day. She's three months sober. Her first time being three months sober since she was 13. I know a young man who's, who's dealt with heroin and fentanyl And for nine months, he's been clean. Nine months. I thought, wow. And I looked in his eyes and I said, I am so proud of you. Then he said to me, Pastor, pray pray that I don't fall again. I've fallen so many times. I said, let's not worry about the fall right now. Let's just rejoice in this moment. Nine months is a big stinking deal, buddy. Right? Right? I had a couple that were on their way to divorce court. She had had enough. She said, forget it. And she thought about her kids. And she thought about her God, the God of reconciliation, the God of redemption. And she turned the car around and went to him, grabbed him by his earlobes. I think she squeezed rather hard and said, you better help me make this work. And guess what? They're working it out. And God's been showing up because God says, yay! They missed a few goals along the way, but, 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 but now they're hitting one right dead center. And the devil and all of hell trying to be a goalie to knock the ball out couldn't do it. And the ball went in and, and God says, oh man, look at him. Or the little guy, the, the, the guy, he just shuffled his feet like barely, but he's moving in the right direction. And all of the angels of heaven say, yay, they're having a party. Stop being so hard on yourself. Stop listening to the preacher that says, you'll never become anything for God. Don't, that's the wrong guy. Listen to the fun guy. Anyway, that's dumb. Yeah, yeah. My God has more for you, more for this church. 1 John 4.10, this is real love, not Hollywood love, not romance novel love, not Hallmark movie love. They always end the same way. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he, come on, loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And and I could use John 3.16, I'm gonna, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you believe anywhere else? This is it. We believe in Jesus. We believe in God the Father who lavishes love upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Ladies, don't get mad. Don't get mad. We should have gender equality in the Bible. Well, you got to understand that women were not much of anything in the Bible. The sons of God were the only ones who could get the inheritance from the dad. Women could not get inheritance. So God is saying, in my economy, I'm going to treat you all as ones who can receive my inheritance. 
men and women, we're all going to be able to go to the holy court of God, receive our forgiveness, and receive our eternal reward. He puts us all first in line. See, that's good. That's why I like to be called the sons of God. I think it's good. Don't send me any emails and tell me otherwise. It is the love of God, the Father, which is the driving force, which is the impulsive power that provides me with the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Christ Jesus who died in my place as a supreme manifestation and an expression of the love of God the Father. Because God loves us so much, he wants us to know him. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. He wants us to walk with him and he with us. Now, you, you, you know I like, like sports. Some of you would love, you know, tickets, you know, first level, right behind home plate. You, you love the, you know, the Dodgers or the Giants or the. My favorite baseball. I would have to dare say my favorite sports is little league baseball. And the little league World Series. When it's on, I do my best to try to schedule some time where I can just sit and watch these little kids I've never met before, and just like enjoy. Little League Base, it's so raw and pure and honest. I want you to catch this little clip right here. Watch the coach as he comes out to talk to the pitcher. Take a look. Finally tonight, the young pitcher and the pep talk from his coach heard by millions. It's the biggest game of their young lives. From South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the, first the Little League team from Bend, Oregon, in a battle with a team from Italy. Isaiah Bugsy Jensen on the mound. Hi, my name is Bugsy Jensen. I'm my favorite baseball player is Clayton Kershaw. 12-year-old Isaiah pitching a great game until he gets a little tired in the top of the fifth. Now he can take his base. Out comes his coach for a pep talk. But that coach just happens to be Bugsy's dad. I just came out to tell you how much I love you as a dad and a player, okay? You're doing awesome out here. One more hitter, and then I'm going to Juge. This is your last hitter, okay? You understand? Come right after him. Hey, cheer up. Have some fun. Come right after him, okay? Let's go. One more batter before Bugsy's replaced. That pep talk from Dad worked. Another strikeout, and the team goes on to win. Victory from nine players from Bend, Oregon, one very proud dad. A father and a son can't beat that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. What did he say when he went out? What? No, kid, come on, man. I taught you how to do it better than that. Come on. Throw a slider. Throw a curveball in there. Throw a high, hard heat. Son, I love you. I just want you to think of that. Next time you, well, you don't get the strikeout, or next time you don't, you fill in the blank for your life. It doesn't go like you planned. My God comes out there, and if he was mic'd up, you'd hear him say, I love you. I love you. I care about you. I, I love the fact that our praise should be, Father, what a love. Father, what a love. Lord Jesus Christ, what a Savior. Holy Spirit, what a friend and a counselor. That should be our praise to God. See, when God shows his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, come on, you know, Christ died for us. And our praise should be connected to that deeply. In his fine book, Love Beyond Reason, 
John Ortberg writes, God filled the world with beauty and mystery. The waterfalls, the sunsets, the glaciers, the tropics, banana cream pie. But God said, I don't just love you this much. God gave you a mind, the ability to know right from wrong, to choose good life. But God said, I don't just love you this much. God gave you people. He gave you teachers and friends and heroes and persons with whom to know the joy of intimacy and community. But God said, I don't just love you this much. Then God gave Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was God's ultimate attempt to let us know what we mean to him. He was led to the cross to pay a debt we couldn't pay. He was led to the cross, and here's what God said. Now we can be freed from every regret, no more guilt. Every demand of justice is satisfied. Now at least you understand the place you have in my heart. That's our God. My dear friend Max Lucado, author and pastor, I've never met him, but I call him my dear friend because he's written books that speak to my heart. And he tells a story of something that happened in Disney World in Orlando. He said, as always, Cinderella's castle was packed with kids and parents. Suddenly, all the children rushed to one side. Cinderella, the pristine princess, the gorgeous young girl with each hair in place, flawless skin with a beaming smile had just entered through the door. But at the other side of the castle, it was now vacant except for a boy, maybe seven or eight years of age. His, his age was hard to determine because of his disfigurement. His face deformed. He's dwarfed in height, and he stands there watching. He wanted to be with the other kids. He wanted to be the one, Cinderella, Cinderella, maybe get a picture, maybe get an autograph. But the fear in his life, the fear of another rejection just held him to the floor, frozen. From across the room, Cinderella spotted the little boy and compassion filled her heart. She began walking in his direction. She knelt down at eye level with a stunned little boy. And with her beauty, she leaned down and kissed his face. The act of grace by Cinderella points out the depths of the Father's love for us. However, her act doesn't fully tell the story of the gospel. For the Father's only son accomplished much more than Cinderella ever could. Cinderella gave only a kiss. When she stood to leave, she took her beauty with her. The boy still left deformed. But what if Cinderella had done what Jesus did? What if she'd assumed the boy's state, took on his deformity? Hmm. What if she had somehow given her beauty and taken on his disfigurement? Dear ones, that's what Jesus did for us. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes these words. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. It's called the reversal of fortunes. 
When he left his throne in glory to die for us, he did so because he knew that he could change himself into us, the righteousness of Christ that we would take on. If you've yet to give your life to Jesus, a lot of preachers say there's different ways to do it. I just like to simply say, we read it today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would have everlasting life. And the apostle Paul who wrote about this great exchange also tells us that we believe in our heart. We really believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died for us and rose again from the dead. Then we confess with our lips that same thing. I believe in Jesus. We shall be saved. His righteousness becomes ours. His beauty becomes ours. And I don't know when God is more proud of anyone when they give their life over to Jesus and say, I believe in you, Lord. I, I trust you, Lord. I would like to invite you this morning to, to simply say, this is my day, God. I believe in you. Or whenever you're watching this, that you give your life to Jesus, you will not be disappointed. And then I want to pray for some of you that have stopped believing that God really loves you, that God is crazy about you. Maybe you've gone sideways. Maybe you've fallen off the wagon. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe like that little picture, you were tired. And God wants to come out to your mound and just say, I love you. I love you. So Lord, we give you our hearts today afresh. We we ask that you would help us love you like never before. Some of us are running from God. We're running from Jesus. This is our time to understand he runs to us to bring us to himself. Lord, in this moment, I pray for any that need to run to you, to give you their hearts, to give you their lives, that that's what would happen for them even now. I want to invite you to a simple prayer right now. All it is is, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you say that with me? Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. P.S. God is proud of you. God is proud of you. God is proud of you. Why? Because you came to church. <laughs> Why? Because he loves you with an everlasting love, and he can't love you any more than he does right now. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.